Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm absolutely so excited about today's podcast. I'm joined by Laura Cheadle, who is an attorney, TED Talk speaker, which I love. I'm a huge fan and betrayal and recovery expert who works with women from all over who've been betrayed by the intimate partner and want to move through it. Well, I'm fascinated by this because... I do feel that a lot of women, once they've been betrayed or been in marriages where they found out a spouse has cheated or they can't move forward and they get very, very bitter and they become victims. And I have a very strong view on this. I don't believe that cheating has to be the end, that cheating is always the problem. It's normally a symptom. It's not the issue. So I'm fascinated and I would like to know your take on this, Laura. Welcome. Absolutely. We are so aligned in our beliefs. And that's what I love so much about the work that you do. It is not a problem. You're right. It is the symptom of a deeper problem. And so often we fixate on the wrong root cause and we think the problem is the cheating. The problem is the other person. What I believe is that betrayal uncovers the truth. Yes, betrayal uncovers the truth about the other person and what they are doing, but it also uncovers the truth about you, about what's going on within you, about where your self-worth might be a little bit wobbly, about where you, not you specifically, but one, (laughs) has defaulted into pleasing others, seeking to conform to external standards and performing. Instead of living life for yourself. And that's why I believe that betrayal can be such a catalyst 
It can be such an opportunity for growth, for understanding, for getting back to who you most authentically are and to living your life the way that you've wanted to all along. I mean, I think that's fascinating because I would say that's absolutely true. Having been through my own divorce, marrying Sergio, finding myself along that journey. And I always said, you know, when people said I was crazy for being with Sergio, as in the age and everything else, that I, I, I didn't leave my marriage for Sergio. And I made that abundantly clear. And my problems weren't due to meeting Sergio. And, you know, they w- we would have ended up divorced eventually anyway. And I think that I think you're absolutely right. Infidelities and betrayals can be the best things that ever happened to you for a multitude of reasons. It forces you to look at you. It forces you to tell the truth. And most people that get caught want to be caught. Let's be honest. And it forces you to take decisions that most of us have been, you know, going around for quite a long time. Yes, absolutely. Because most of us are unhappy at some in some aspect of our life, whether it's a career or a job or an intimate relationship. So it's so easy for us to just gloss over it and to not address those issues. I firmly believe that the most difficult thing for any of us to do until in life is to dismantle what we're comfortable with. Can I just say, I just did a podcast, literally just did a podcast today about that. Just saying that, you know, even when we get divorced, women tend to want to stay in the home, not, you know, change the friends, do this. And I say, fuck that, sell the house, move country, get rid of your friends and start fresh. Because how can you change your life if you don't change your environment? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what I will just tag on to that by saying, I'm also a hypnotherapist. And what I learned in hypnotherapy is the way the brain works. And the brain wants to keep us safe, even when safe is not happy and is not really safe. That's why so often people in an abusive situation will stay in the abusive situation because the brain thinks, well, I'm safe. I know how to survive. I've survived being beaten 40 times. So that means I can survive being beaten 50 times. And it's not, it's not your fault to feel that way. It's the way the brain is. But what is, it's like, go ahead. It's like all those people that, you know, live in their giant country mansions, get divorced, now can't afford it and that refuse to sell it. You know, the bills are piling up. They could live so much better if they just downsized a little bit but it's all they know. And they refuse to make the changes. It's just, you know, and these are just minor changes that people just can't seem to do. They live in the past. That life has gone. Yes. And when when we get confronted with infidelity and it trashes our life, that's a gift. It's such a gift to have your life trashed because now you don't have to do the hard work of leaving sometimes. You know the truth. You have to leave. You can't afford it. And just like you said, it's such an important thing to let it go and to start fresh. I, I, I think, you know, actually, because my, my husband now was like rolling his eyes when, you know, before when I was telling him this, I was like, you know, leave your friends, leave your family, leave the country. But, you know, sometimes when you've got too much sort of memories, that's what, you know, people live in the past. And, you know, I think everything became easier for me because I did go to 
the Middle East, you know, and I did move to the States and I did, you know, do these things, crazy things like, okay, I'm off. I didn't hold on to friends that didn't want to stay with me because they didn't agree with my 24 year old boyfriend and thought that I was the worst wife in the world. Okay, goodbye. The ones that got back on the train stayed on the train. The ones that didn't, they weren't a loss. You know, how could I live with them anyway with the judgment I had? You know, if you're going to judge me, then you're not my friend. And I think people need to let go. They're so frightened of the unknown, whereas actually the unknown for me has been the most comforting thing ever. It's been I've being able to reinvent yourself in today's world is so much fun. Yes. And I think it's really getting back to who you were because, you know, going back to that, please conform and perform. We all know what our friends expect of us. We all know what our families expect of us. When we absolutely change that, when we move, we have to be who we are. It's now up to you what you're going to do every morning, how you're going to interact with people, what you're going to say, what you're going to do, and how wonderful to be that authentic, to say, like, for you, this is my boyfriend. This is the person that I want to be with, and I am no longer limiting myself to what you think I should or shouldn't do. That's powerful. The other powerful thing was saying, he's my boyfriend right now. The day he wants to go, that's okay too. I'm not staying because he may bugger off next year. I'm fine either way. And I think that shocked people because, you know, they wanted to know, or most women want to know that when they're jumping out of one relationship, they're jumping into another, you know, safe one, which a 24 year old doesn't really give you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I have a lot of the people that I work with too say, well, if I stay with my current partner, what if they cheat again? And I often say, it doesn't matter if they cheat again. It doesn't matter if this new relationship works or doesn't work. What matters is that you know you can handle yourself in any circumstance, whether it's a 24-year-old, whether it's a 94-year-old, whether it's the same partner or a different partner. Can you handle yourself? That's what matters. I mean, I think, I think all of that is so important. And infidelity, as I said, is, and it's also, by the way, I'm sure you find this, it's not just men. It's a lot of women. Women have more time. And I, I've never actually, I've, I've always stuck up for men in this because women, when, especially when I got divorced or whatever else, the first thing is like, who, who cheated? Well, first of all, with my divorce, we never asked, right? So I don't, I don't know. That wasn't why we got divorced. But in, you know, it's always assumed it's the man. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of female friends, obviously. And, you know, I have no judgment here. Couldn't care less. You know, I don't care who you're fucking. If you're going home happier, do whatever you need to do. And and I, I'm also someone that always advised my girlfriend if I found out, you know, keep it on the side. If you're happy in your life, keep it on your side. If it makes you, it can make you a better wife. Do, do whatever you need to do to get through life. Some, some wives, you know, some people are happy in their life and enjoy their life as is. I didn't particularly. So for me, it didn't work. You know, otherwise I'm sure, you know, maybe Sergio would have stayed on the side. Who knows? I think, as you said, I think it, it, it's just as the same for men and women. Are you of the same opinion? Yeah, it, it, it is the same for men and women. Cheating is a symptom of something that's going on. You know, it, it's why are you not happy in your relationship? Can you address that thing? If you don't want to address it and cheating is your solution, then be honest with yourself. What I'm a huge proponent of is honesty with yourself, honesty with others. But more important is honesty with yourself. 
Why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing it because I need to put a Band-Aid on something in my relationship that I'm not happy with. And yes, men and women both do it. And I think that's an important part as well, just to remind people, because it's not like the cheater is having the, always the best time of their life. They do grapple with it. So the point is for them, they are fulfilling something that is missing, right? Because yes. nobody really goes around acting like this and living double lives if they're completely happy themselves. Like you could yeah. look at another man right now. So, you know, that now I know I'm complete and I don't think anyone would sway Sergio right now, but you know, in 10 years, who knows how he feels. Right. But you know, I wouldn't be that sort of, you know, strong to say that things can change. But, you know, right now there's no way. And I know that. So we're both fulfilled in our relationship. And that's a very telling sign that, you know, people I know that are, they're, that are at it, it's too, they've had babies. They don't feel great. Their husband's not home. I don't know. There's a million reasons to have an affair, frankly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A million reasons. And again, if you're honest, I'm doing it because I'm bored. Well, what else might there be that's available to you to help without boredom? Dig deep. What else do you need? Is it a lack of communication in the relationship? Have you two outgrown each other? Are you just deciding that, hey, we are going to stay together because neither of us want to sell the house, but we really want separate relationships? Decide it. People sometimes get so wishy-washy about just calling it. Hey, this is how we want our relationship. Call it and do it. I think that's a, a, also an important point. Lots of people outgrow each other. When you get married young, like we all did, you know, it's okay to outgrow each other. It really is. And I don't think it's a bad thing or something you need to be punished for. If you can wake up one day and say to someone who may still, by the way, be your best friend, but just not your lover and everything else, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. It is perfectly okay to say that. Yes, yes. It's always perfectly okay to say how you feel and to come up with a solution. The idea of marriage looking a certain way is so antiquated. Marriage can look like anything. Partnership can look like anything. Define it for you. Define it for your partner. I've got one client that I'm working with. She and her husband each had affairs for different reasons. They worked through it. Then they decided they would try an open relationship for a while. Then that started feeling icky and they ended up coming back and created an entirely third kind of marriage. They have been through three iterations of their marriage and now they're finally really happy because it is their version of marriage, not my version, not society's version, but their own version. I think that's, quite, that's, that's a really strong point too your own version. I've created my own version of my life, but it's very hard to do because you have children who see society's version and you're not living it. You have friends who are married the same amount of time as you've been. I mean, it's different for Sergio because he's so much younger. His friends aren't married. So he has, other than his parents, he has no one that he has to sort of live up to and conform to in that respect. But his mother, bizarrely, is really open in a way. She hasn't said, you have to have kids now. Now, whether that's because she thinks he won't be with me that long, I don't know. <laughs> He's shaking his <laughs> But she's not forcing me to have children. She's saying, she's got three. Maybe, you know, maybe you enjoy the, the life you have. You know, you guys have a very selfish, very beautiful life. 
and why tie yourself down? I love that she's not, you know, old school. My parents, you know, were okay with Sergio too because they have friends with younger wives, well, wives normally or husbands. But it isn't easy to be, as you say, a trailblazer because having an open marriage, saying that I love you, but you want to have different things, or maybe you're in threesomes, maybe you're in polygamous, saying any of these things makes other people look at you like you're nuts. Yeah, they do. And even in my case, my husband cheated on me for 15 years with five different women. And we ended up coming back together again after we separated. And there was a lot of pushback on that too. What are you doing, Laura? Why would you do that? How, what are you giving up? What do you, and I felt compelled at first to explain myself. No, let me tell you, let me tell you. And then it started dawning on me. I don't have to explain myself. This is my life. This is my circumstance. I know this to be the right thing to do for me. It might change, but in this moment, I know this is the right thing to do. And I can have compassion for other people who are judgy because it shows me that they are not authentically connected to who they are and their desires. And that's something that really works for me. When somebody is judging me, I know that it says more about them than it does about me. I'm good where I'm at. Whether this is a mistake, whether it's long-term or short-term, I'm good where I'm at. And if they're not, I feel compassion because that's on them. That's not on me. I feel that that's on them in in a way that they would love to do what we're doing somehow, but can't find it within themselves to do it. So they judge it. That's what I find. You know, like the women that judge me the most are people that, you know, I know aren't happy, but they don't have the balls to leave. They don't have the financial security to leave. And, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not rolling in money. I work, but I'm not scared to earn my own money. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm never scared. I'm never going to stay with someone because he pays for me ever. I've done all of the things that women I think would like to do or or dream about doing. Who doesn't dream about, you know, running off with a much younger guy, you know, and getting married and trying again. And as you said, I don't, I I never thought about it long-term, short-term, whatever it is right now, I'm having, you know, the time of my life and it's good for me, even though it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. And it's so much further forward and I always it was somebody said it to me actually well you know you can put your kids first but the trouble with putting your kids first is when do you put yourself first so when they're 21 when they're 25 when they're 30 and then what then it's too late how long do you pause your own happiness absolutely and I love how you said your own happiness because happiness comes in so many different forms and it's important for us to really tune in What does make me happy? What makes me happy today might be different than what makes me happy next week. And it's important to always think about your happiness. Where is my pleasure? Where is my body? Where is my mind? Where is my heart? As long as you're going through life with your heart feeling open, with your body feeling relaxed and confident, as long as you are continuing to nourish and nurture yourself, whether it's in a small amount because you are in a situation where you can't, If you've got aging parents or a sick child or you're in financial difficulties, you might be really busy and stressed and strapped all day, but you can still have those moments of joy along the way. You might be in the middle of a contentious divorce. You can still have moments of joy along the way. And that's what matters. Just like you said, 
always connecting to what brings me joy. So what do you sort of, as an attorney and as a sort of speaker, what do you advise women? Because, you know, even some women, I know women that have wanted to divorce their husbands for years, then find out that they've been betrayed and that's it. It was like, they can't get over it. And you're like, hang on a minute, last week you were plotting to like leave him and you hated him. And now he's like done this, you know, you're, you, you can't live without him. And, and you know, they can't leave the house and life is over. And it's like a grieving process. And you're like, you want to shake them and go, you don't even love him. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, it's because the option's been taken from you. What do you advise women to get over this and to be able to take, because anyway, regardless of anything, as far as I'm concerned, a victimized woman in that way, there's nothing sexy about that. If you want him back, he's definitely not coming back to that. No, absolutely. I love, I love what you said because you're absolutely right. Now, there is, the grieving process is necessary. If you've had the shock, this upset, you absolutely need to take some time to grieve. But like you said, there's a limit. I like to think about the scales of justice because, because I'm a lawyer, I think about that. When you've been knocked down, you have to bring yourself back up. And the only way to do that is to either cut down the other person so you feel better or all of a sudden start bringing yourself up. Cutting down the other person does not last for long because then you're in that vicious cycle and you're always going to be a victim and you're always going to be losing. So what I always advise is bringing yourself back up as strongly and as powerfully as you can. And the word that I like is the word flaunt. Because flaunt, which is also an acronym for the process that I work with people on, but flaunt means to display yourself proudly, to display yourself proudly in all of your glory, but also in all of your pain, to quit hiding, to quit pretending, to quit putting on a happy face, and just to powerfully be who you are. And when you can start powerfully flaunting yourself for exactly who you are and what you're doing, that's when you break out of victim mode. That's when it no longer is about the other person, which is what being a victim is. What did they do to me? They did this and they did this. And to start doing and living and being who you are. So it's changing that focus. Don't look at them. Look at you and start flaunting everything that you are. And what about, you know, starting new relationships. So I, I read, you know, about gaining trust back with men. I'm actually someone who has a very short-term memory. So it's like, I'm kind of like Nemo. I'm like, oh, that's all happened. I've been through hell with my divorce, but let me get remarried. I'll get married in a week. You know, I, I don't think about consequences. I don't think about like a bad divorce. My divorce wasn't that terrible. I'm practical. So, mm-hmm. you know, as far as I, you know, I, I had in my head, okay, Obviously, if this doesn't work out, my I, I have money for my children and things that my ex-husband gave me that, you know, Sergio under no, no circumstances is walking away with. So I walked straight down to the lawyer's office, made sure that was all done. Once that was done, you know, we both knew where we stood, right? He had stuff from his family that he didn't want to give later. Fair enough. We both had lives, right? I mean, mine a little longer than his. But, you know... Once I'd sort of been that matter of fact, which maybe I hadn't in my first marriage and sort of marched him down there, it was fine because it's like, okay, now, right. If I want to, if he wants to get divorced in five years or I want to get divorced in five years, there's no problem. So what, 
you know, so it kind of takes the scary out of it. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. Two things on that. First, when women have problems trusting other people, it really comes back to they can't trust themselves because we're relying on somebody. Just like you talk about Sergio paying for things. If you're relying on him to pay for you, to pay for your kids, to pay for your house and your car and your clothing, then trust becomes an issue because ah, I'm reliant on him. When you are in charge of yourself and you know, I can make my own money, I can pay my own way, I can pick up and start again, I can move, I can get new friends. When you trust yourself, trusting other people is no longer a problem because you're not dependent on them. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. My biggest question every single time I put the podcast box off is who pays for what? First of all, it's none of your business. But second Mm -hmm. of all, you know, which 20 years age difference? He does him. I have three kids and me. So, you know, I'm very honest about it. I don't ask him for more than that. You know, when he has it, he gives it, which is more than, you know, many men in my life have, which is amazing. But at the same time, I also want him to build for his future and everything else. As I said, the things that I had from before, I was absolutely adamant. You know, we talked about everything. It was going to my children. He would not get a fucking penny of it. No, regardless of anything. Having said that, if I drop dead tomorrow, you know, he gets to stay. I, I went that deep. You know, if I drop dead tomorrow, he deserves to stay with my kids and, and have yeah. a life. He was here. So, you yeah. know, do all that, lay it on the table, no matter how ugly it is for a minute. And it wasn't really very ugly, to be honest. But it could have been a lot worse. And I think in five, six years, it would have been a lot worse. But because I did it day dot, he was like, of course, no, I don't want it. You know, I love you. I, you know, you do whatever right. you do. That's perfect. And, and what I wanted to say with that, what you did is so, it's such the perfect description of, you know, I said flaunt is the word, but it's also an acronym. And I'm just going to walk you through those five steps real quick, because that's exactly what you did. The first step for flaunt stands for find your fetish. Know what you want. You were very clear about this man makes me happy. This is what I need for my children. This makes me happy. And this is my life. You found your fetish. And when we know what we want, it's easier to figure out how to get it. And we're not wishy-washy. It's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So F is find your fetish. The L in flaunt stands for laugh out loud. And that's for living with joy. You're happy with him. You're happy with your kids. You're happy to move. Your divorce wasn't that bad. It's leaning into that positive. It's letting go of that past because it doesn't serve you. The AU in flaunt stands for accept unconditionally. You have done a perfect job at accepting unconditionally. He needs to build for his future. You need to take care of your kids. You're accepting that. You're not having some Cinderella story in your mind only if, well, what if we do this? N stands for navigate the negative. You navigate it by marching down to the attorney's office, by figuring out your plans, by getting it in writing, by figuring it out. And then that last step, T, stands for trust in your truth. And you have been excellent at doing that too, because you're like, yeah, this is what I want. If I drop dead, this is what's going to happen. And you've figured it out. You've taken responsibility. You're not the victim. You've got yourself in the driver's seat, your front and center in your own life, and you take care of everything around you. So you have co-created an amazing existence. And that's strong and that's powerful. As an attorney, is that what you sort of teach people this? Because I'm always surprised when people so surprised 
that, you know, literally every dinner table I go, you kind of get that wink from girls going, oh, I hope you've got an, you know, hope you've got a prenup, like idiot. And I'm like, I, as soon as I go, yeah, ages ago. And they're like, oh, because, oh, you know, they're like, oh, straight away. You know, like, oh, well, oh, they weren't expecting that. And I'm like, you know, once you take that power of like, and as I said, I did one, he did one. Absolutely. Did one. Not because I don't trust him. I don't trust myself. I don't trust him. You know, like, it's like, it's life. I've been there. He's 24. He could wake up, you know, 28 now. He could wake up in 10 years and say, she's not for me. And rightly so, by the way, I've done it. And I want him to be able to do it if he so feels. If he doesn't, wonderful. But if he felt it, he should be allowed to have that and to know where he's going. Yes. A marriage contract is no different than any other kind of contract. Mm -hmm. If you are getting hired in a job, you want to know how many hours a week do I need to work? What is my pay? What is my lunch hour? You need to know these things when you're entering into an employment contract. Life is no different. If you're entering into a marriage, it's a contract. It is a legal contract. And it doesn't make any sense to me that anybody would enter into a contract without knowing that, without protecting yourself, without having your partner protect themselves. And like you said, without figuring it out. And people so often think it's about love. It's about the heart. You got to connect the head and the heart. You need both. And truly, if you want love to flourish, you need to get the headspace stuff out of the way. You need to know where you stand. This is a legal contract. You wouldn't buy a house without an inspection. You wouldn't do any other contract. So why, when it comes to marriage, do people just let it all go and think, I trust them, we'll figure it out. Love will prevail. That doesn't make sense. No, absolutely no sense. And as I said, you know, you think it's a hard discussion now. Well, try it in the middle of a divorce. So, you know, oh, exactly. So, you know, you may as well do it when, you, when you're in love and both of you are in love and just say, these are the facts. I mean, actually, for all the, the jokes aside, it was easier for me to do it with Sergio because he is so young. With an older man, it is that, that generation where people don't like to discuss money, especially when you've got old money. Old money tends to be harder to open up to and talk to than this new generation where straight away, you know, he's like, oh, you know, well, what's yours? I don't want anything that was yours. But, you know, what we build together is ours, right? And that's, that's, that's a fair enough thing, you know? And as I said, my kids were the one that said, Mummy, if, if something happens, where will we still see Sergio and all of this? And if something happens to me, then he should be allowed. And that should all be written because it's very possible 20 years older that something could happen to me before him. Right, right. And, and that is just so wise that you would put that together. And you're right. Different generations don't like talking about things. We don't like talking about death. Death is going to happen to all of us. We don't like talking about divorce. Statistically, that's going to happen to half of us. We don't like talking about infidelity. Statistically, that's going to happen as well. So you might as well talk about it. We all might as well get comfortable talking about all of these things that are uncomfortable and scary. Because once we bring it out into the light of day, we're not victimized by it. We can't just hide our heads in the sand. 
We have to talk about it. That's where we get our power. And if we think about it in advance, not only can we protect ourselves legally, but we also can kind of start thinking about the what if. Not that we need to obsess about what if he does this and what if she does this and what if this falls apart, but it's also wise to just think about what are the possible things that could happen and what do I need to have in place in order to protect myself. One thing I'm always advising people to do is make sure you've got a credit card in your own name that you can use in case of an emergency because you'd be surprised how many people that I have worked with or represented in the event of a divorce, they do not have access to a credit card in their own name and they're stuck. I know lots of people, but I, you know, it's not even for that. It's just even life in general, right? If you're insuring your household and you're getting flight and health insurance, you should be doing all of the above. Like I saw my family, my, my father fight with his sisters. I've seen another friend of ours fight with his own sister for 12 years in court over money. Money does very funny things to, to people. And so does death and so does jewelry and so does inheritance and everything else. I mean, so, you know, I have got a very matter of fact, I mean, I went home to my parents, walked around the house with my mom and chose all the things that I'd like in her will. And there was Sergio walking behind me going, oh my God. He's like, who does that? And I'm like, oh, mom, I really would love that. Or this piece of jewelry, my sister and I were choosing the jewelry in the jewelry box. She goes, okay, so you're, you know, putting it down. She's putting it in her will. And I was like, well, you know what? We've all discussed it. I know what's going to happen. Now, that's not to say that I hope my mom dies next week, but I know that my sister and I are not going to be fighting over what she leaves us as a giant surprise. Like she got this, I didn't get that. We chose it together and everyone was part of it. And we've done it. My mom's perfectly healthy. We're not doing it because she's on her deathbed right now. And, you know, it's sort of morbid. We actually had a really good laugh going around going, oh, I'll have that one and that will look great in my house. And I know it sounds weird, but it wasn't weird. No, no, it's not weird. It's, it's future planning. And, you know, same thing. So often people get weird about like possible venereal diseases. Oh my gosh, if my partner cheated. And, and I've had people say, I'm not going to get tested because if I get tested, it shows that I don't trust him or her. Oh my gosh, get tested. It's okay to get tested. That does not show that you don't trust somebody. It shows that you love yourself more. It shows that you care about your body more, and it shows that you are responsible and have agency. Use it. That, again, is another, you know, typical example of where we all sort of think about ourselves. It's the phone call that you have to make to everybody else. And it's, what if I do? No one's going to speak to me again. And, you know, it's it's more common to have these these issues than not today. And I think yes. if you weren't made to, you weren't made to feel like it was almost AIDS, as it were. You know that there are many diseases that people live with that you know that, that should be available or to be able to talk about without making people feel like you know social lepers, basically. And I think mm-hmm. there are so many things that we're unable to talk about still today, which should be on the tip of everybody's tongue. And yes, that's not because you know. I mean, today's world is completely different. I'm shocked that more people, I mean, probably if everyone was tested, the whole world would have something because, you know, as far as I'm concerned right now, I think people are speed dating two or three dates in a night in New York and these Tinders and, you know, everyone's at it. 
and people are having sex way more than uh, than they were before and there's no such thing i mean they're definitely not slut shaming anymore i know that right right which is good <laughs> which is good yeah but yeah there's yeah. just so much so much that we need to talk about and we need to address and breaking down the stigma whether it's around having sex or dating or infidelity or divorce breaking down the stigma around things is powerful and one of the things that I always remind the people that I work with is what is it that you deserve? What is it that you deserve and what will you tolerate and what will you not tolerate? Because oftentimes people will say, well, if I do this, they're going to leave. Do you really want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you? Do you really want to be with somebody who is going to leave because of this, that, or the other thing? It should be a mutual thing that you are both giving to each other, that you are both sacrificing the same amount for each other. And I don't want to be with somebody who is going to judge me, who is going to shame me, who is not going to talk about important things to me. I want somebody who wants me and who is willing to work for me in the same way that I want them and I am willing to work for them. Well, I think people don't want to talk about infidelity and all of this because it is so prevalent and right and you're right i think it's something like 78 percent of people cheat yeah so more likely or not going to happen to you and i think yes. that they talk about it it's like saying i'm allowing it or they're scared to say have these conversations because they're like you know it's always like well if my husband does it i'm going to chop off his balls you know no late not you know it's very possible he's at it or you're at it and it's normally the you know and that scream the loudest that are at it and yes. Uh, yes so you know it doesn't mean because you have these conversations that you're you're allowing your husband to cheat it means that you're a grown-up and you're both going to talk about what you need and it you know maybe it's not an emotional affair maybe they want something a bit crazy maybe they want to go on holiday with somebody else maybe they need something else to bring them back together but you're willing to have the conversation Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I love that you said that too. You said that maybe it's about this, maybe about that. And earlier you said affairs happen for thousands of reasons. And I just want to foot stomp that because it is so true. And there's this narrative in the media that affairs are, you're sitting in this bar, you know, and you see this stranger across the room and you're instantly captivated by them. That's actually the least common scenario. And broadening our understanding of why affairs happen and what it means is so powerful. And part of the reason I believe that there's such a stigma is the person who gets cheated on thinks that it says something about them, that they're not good enough in bed, that they're not a good enough wife, that they are not pretty enough, that they've gained too much weight, something like that. And while that can happen, statistically speaking, that is not the norm. So to open up your mind, to get curious about what is this really about? And that's something that, again, I ask my people often, what is this really about? Because in my case, my husband cheated because of his own insecurity, because he felt like he was not enough, because he felt like he was aging in ways that I wasn't aging, because he felt insecure about things. It was about him. It wasn't about me. All the men I know 
it's always about them and it's normally about immortality is this it can yes. i do i still have it could i can i get it it's nothing yes. to do with the wife it wouldn't matter if she was doing na- naked cartwheels and blowjobs with breakfast lunch and dinner exactly exactly and when you know that it breaks down the stigma and then it helps you not be a victim anymore because you're like hey this isn't about me i can't control another person I can only control myself. And when you're controlling yourself, it's to everything that you said. What do I want? What is my fetish? What makes me happy? What am I willing to do? How strong and powerful can I be in my own life? What are the steps that I can take to build the kind of life and future that will make me happy because I am the only person I can control? And yes, that's scary, but it's also powerful. Well, I think that's an amazing place to leave tonight's podcast. And I've really enjoyed that. I mean, I could have gone on for hours. There's so many different things we could talk about. But thank you for coming on because you have really made me feel like I'm not going crazy because I feel like these things need to be said. They do. And thank you for being such a beacon, for doing it, for knowing who you are, for knowing what you want, for having the balls to go after it and to stand unapologetic in your own truth, knowing that whatever happens, you can handle it. You're not a victim of your life. You're not a victim of other people's judgment. You are you. And that is so beautiful and so powerful. And you are such a light in the world. So thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you for listening to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. <laughs>